Um, Happy New Year. I know we saw each other on the first, kind of. Um, That was a fun brunch. I think everybody was like, we should do brunch church all the time. I just wake up, roll out of bed, come in with some food and eat. Um, That was good. Um, Well, I'm Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here, so uh, welcome. And um, I am super excited because uh, we are... uh, Honestly, I didn't hear what Warner said because I was working some computer issues. But, um, but we're trying to integrate. We're going through Psalms. So for the next, I think it's either six or seven weeks, um, we're going to do a Psalm here. And then your small groups or on your own, you're going to do another Psalm. And they're going to be uh, pairs in that they're topical. Um, so, like, so today we're going to be focusing on uh, a Psalm of praise um, which is maybe you go, isn't that the same thing? And so we'll, we'll kind of dissect that and kind of go through that. But, um, and so then, and I, unfortunately, I don't remember which psalm you're assigned this week. I should probably know this. But, um, but whatever it is, it's, it's very complimentary to the psalm that we're going to be going through this morning, which is Psalm 8, which you just sang. And, and so what I would encourage you guys to do, I sent this out on the text. I don't know if any of you listened to that song before you came in here. But if you have Spotify, you can go listen to it. You'll probably get some ads or something like that. I don't know if you don't have a subscription. But um, if you go to our website and you go to that, uh, the resources page where the small group studies are, uh, there's our whole TCC set list. I just embedded that uh, on there. So it's super cool. So you can kind of go through it and see the songs that we sing here or whatever. Um, but Psalm 8 is one of those songs. And I'll just do a, a, a plug for it. I don't know if you guys have heard of Shane and Shane. Just incredible stuff, and they've got a whole album that's literally just psalms put to, like, modern music, you know, and, you know, it, they obviously rhymed probably in Hebrew. It's not super helpful for us, uh, and so they, they basically make it so that they are more uh, uh, singable, if you will, and that's what the book of Psalms is, right? They are 150 songs, hymns, songs, however you want to call that. They were part of temple worship. They were part of Israel's uh, worship. And so they would go to this. In fact, what you will see, well, we won't necessarily go through all of them, but um, there's about 100 quotations of the Psalms in the New Testament um, of 39 different Psalms of those 150. And Jesus quotes uh, seven different Psalms. One of those is the one that we're going through today. And so Psalms was a part of worship. And they should be a part of our regular rhythm as followers of Christ. Um, they are, got like hair on me, sorry. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Um, they are a part of our worship. It's not, and, and they're not academic in the sense that they're worshipful. And what we're going to see as we, we dissect these things is that it's, it's this beautiful reflection of us going, okay, who is this God? What are we doing here? What's, how, how, how do I think about my circumstances in life, whatever those are, good, bad, whatever, the Psalms walk us through that. So I would encourage you, like, we're only gonna go through 14 Psalms as we go through the book of Psalms. So I would encourage you, go through it. It's 150 of them. One night, Psalm 119 is a little long, um, very long, um, but the rest of them are bite-sized chunks. Make it, a, make it a thing. Go through the book of Psalms, and I think what you'll find is they will be very encouraging, very helpful, and it will give you words on your lips that you will go to. Jesus on the cross 
quotes the Psalms. You don't, you don't quote the Psalms from the cross if it's not something that's not deeply seated in your heart. And so when you're going through travails in life, you want those words on your lips. And so I would encourage us to study through this. So before we jump in, let me pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for being a God worthy of worship. Thank you for giving us your word and these psalms that are inspired words of God that we then can speak back to you, God. As we read through these and the, the emotions of men as they, as they struggled through life, may we find a source of comfort and peace and joy in the midst of them. We thank you, Father. Thank you for this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to start off. Romans 12, 1. You see, there's a, there's a temptation for us to think that we just finished up worship, right? When, when Warner got off the stage, when the band got off the stage, worship was done, and we are proceeding into Bible study, right? And then I will get done, and then we will proceed with one more song of worship, and then we will leave, and we will go live our lives, and we will come back next Sunday, and we will rinse and repeat. That's not worship. In fact, Romans 12.1 describes for us what worship ought to be. And this is Paul, and he, he appeals to them. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Worship is not just words coming out of our mouth. Words are our lives. We worship God by how we live our lives. We worship God in and through how we handle the circumstances in our lives. This whole, this whole year, so we've decided, right, that, that the, the theme, if you will, and I talked about this last Sunday, is that we want to be equipped. We want to be equipping each other to proclaim the gospel. That's what we want to do. We want to, when 2023 ends, we want to look back and go, I feel more equipped to proclaim the gospel in my life than I did in 2022. That's our goal. And so you're going to hear this over and over again as we, as we prepare us so that we can go out and speak the gospel truth, right? And so what does that look like? That's not just academic. And I know that's right where our minds go. Well, if, if I need to be equipped, then I need to go through a lesson plan. I need to get smarter. No, not, I mean, a little bit, maybe, but that's not it. That's not what the focus is. In fact, we're starting off in Psalms because the number one way that you are going to proclaim the gospel is through your life. It's through the circumstances and how you deal with those circumstances and who God is to you in the midst of those circumstances that declare genuinely what you believe, where your faith is. And the world sees this. If you're worshiping God because everything's going great and then when things go bad, you're like, meh. What is the, how does the world interpret that? Oh, they just need this God as a crutch. They just need this. They, they just like this God when things are good, and it brings God down. Our worship, our consistent, our pursued worship that, that wells up out of us in faith means that in all of the circumstances of life, we still have a sovereign God that's seated on the throne. 
And so how we worship, the words that we're going to walk through as we walk through each of these psalms are going to give us this insight, this reflection, this perspective to understand our circumstances and continue to worship the God of all creation. And so that's our objective as we walk through this. And the world will see the gospel in that. They will see that this is good news and that the circumstances of our lives do not dictate whether we worship our God or not. And this is why he says in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so that's what we're going to be doing this morning as we jump in. But here's, here's, here's the problem we have with worship. Sin gets in the way. Everybody on this planet worships. The question is, to whom or to what are you worshiping? There were probably a plenty of people worshiping last night. But genuinely, I mean, it's, it's good to be excited, but it can be worship. What's worship? The thing that consumes my time and thoughts and attention. What consumes your time, thoughts, and attention? That's the thing that you're worshiping. And see, what God wants is he wants us to understand that when we are spending our time, our thoughts, when we're pouring over scripture, when we're immersed in it, his truths change our lives and we find comfort and joy and peace and all of these things that he has for us. And so when we are in our proper place, when we are before the throne of God worshiping him, that's where we were built to be. That's where the puzzle pieces fit together. That's where everything is right and perfect, and that's where we will be in eternity for those of us who are following Christ, for those of us who are saved, for those of us who have the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so this is what we get a little bit of here, and we see this, don't we? Isn't there this like peace and comfort and joy when we're, when we're close with God, and then when, when we go our own way, things go crazy, and then we blame God, and God's like, well, but if you... <laughs> If you would have just stayed. <laughs> and so that's what we want to be walking through is what does this look like? All right, so um, Psalms primary, there's 150 of them. David wrote about 73. Solomon wrote a couple. Moses wrote one. There's a few other people. And there'll usually be a title at the beginning of the psalm. Um, realize that most of David's, when he was writing them, were, were, it's like, it'll say like to the choir master. Like he's writing these going like, hey, here's an inspired word of God. Now, whether he recognized that or not at the time, I don't know. But he goes, here, worship off of this. And then Israel took it and worshiped with it. And we look back and we read these words. And there's a historical narrative, too, that goes through Psalms that, are, that is beyond my research. Um, but like a lot of these psalms are happening when very specific things are happening in history, right? And so it makes sense that when David is wrestling with his sin of adultery, his psalm is probably going to look a little different than when he gets anointed as king and things are all good, right? When his son's chasing him and after him and everybody seems to be against him, his psalms take a different way too, right? And so it is for us. The circumstances of our lives are going to go and take us to a different place. 
if you know the psalm to go to when you're struggling, and you can go, let me go read that psalm. Let me go read Psalm 23 when things are really dark. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? We, we, that's a, such a familiar one. But I want us to be equipped where we can go to these psalms in the different circumstances of our lives and go, yes, yes, that's the truth. That's the gospel. That's my God. All right, so we're in Psalm chapter eight. That's what we're gonna be doing. We're gonna go verse by verse as we walk through this and we just sang some of these things, so these words are going to sound very familiar, just super cool. It says, to the choir master, according to Gittith, a psalm of David. Now, they don't really know, and probably you're, you've got a uh, superscript right there next to Gittith. They're like, that's some musical term, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what it is. But it's a psalm of David. And it says, O Lord... Our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. That first Lord is different than the second Lord. You probably see this in the text of your Bible. This is the first one, all capitals, in, in everybody's Bibles probably. That's Yahweh. That's the name of of God. The second one means king, master, ruler. It's more descriptive. The first one is a name. It's, this is the name that God declared to Moses in the burning bush when he was calling Moses to go, and, he's, and Moses goes, well, who do I tell him sent me? And he says, tell them Yahweh sent you. And maybe it's, it's in Hebrew, there's no vowels, there's just a uh, Anyway, it's basically Y-H-W-H. I think we've talked about this before. It's called the Tetragrammaton. Um, there's different ways to pronounce that. In fact, Israel, if you go to like a Jewish website, they'll, they'll put like G-D um, because they don't want to mispronounce the name of God. That's a, that's a serious thing. And, and that's kind of a traditional thing that they, they pull through. And so what you might hear is Yehovah. Same thing. It's just which vowels you're picking to go between the letters Y-H-W-H. But it's the name of God. It's what God says to Moses, tell them Yahweh sent you. And that word Yahweh means I am. You guys have heard this, right? I am that I am. And then he says, tell them I am sent you. And you're like, well, that's a weird name. It's not. In fact, what God was revealing to us was an attribute and a name. More of an attribute, and his attribute is immutability. He doesn't change. He is. You were, this morning, you were getting ready. You were late. <laughs> you were, sorry. Is that bad? Sorry. You were, right? I don't know, it just came out, people. You were whatever, right? Um, and this afternoon, you will be. Hopefully, you will be more worshipful. You will have more knowledge of Psalm 8. You will have experience this morning. You will change. Right now, you can say, I am. But not now. But now you can say, I am. But now you're not, which you were. 
Now you are again. You see what I mean? God is. He is. What he was, he is, and he will forever be. That's what he's saying. He's like, I'm constant. I'm here. You're changing. Your circumstances are going to change. Your lives are going to change. But I am is what God declares. And so when David writes this and he goes, oh, Yahweh, our Lord, he's going, the God that is, that is eternal, that is immutable, that is unchanging, is our possessive, our master, ruler, king. That's where he starts. Man, I know we don't, we got, we got a president. We don't have a king. But we have to understand what this would sound like to those who are under the authority of a king. A king is a king. I mean, like, people don't cross the king. Nobody judges the king. The king is the authority figure. And what the king says happens. And this is what David is saying. You are Yahweh, and what you say goes, goes. There's no questioning that. He is our Lord. And he says, how majestic is your name in all of the earth? All of the earth. There's not, there's not a place in the earth. There's not a corner. There's not a cave. There's not a part that God is not majestic. And that word is excellent. I like majestic. It's more majestic. I don't know. It's in all the earth. But it's not just confined to the earth. Look what it says. It says, you have set your glory above the heavens. Not in heaven. Above the heavens. With me on this? All that you can see, all that you can grapple with, we can, the naked eye can see 4,000 stars. I Googled this. I didn't count them. 4,000 stars. They've cataloged 1.7 billion stars. They think there's like 10 to the 24 numbers of stars, however many zeros, well, yeah, whatever, 24 zeros, whatever. A lot of stars. God's above them all. He created them all. This is our God, and he's worthy of our worship. When Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, maybe this is something you have memorized, maybe it's something you've never really thought about. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he says, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. Hallowed, hallowed, more hallowed. You know what that means? Holy, reverenced. It's worship. I gotta be honest. Uh, the, the, I know this sounds ironic, but like, well, maybe not, but and during the holidays, like when my schedule isn't my normal schedule, my prayer life goes into the tubes. I like being off work, but then I sleep in. <laughs> and then kids are up, and people are up, and, right? And so it just changes things. And it's tough. And, and so when, when I, I have a long break, 
of praying, like devoted prayer time, I, I, I start off with the Lord's Prayer because it like kind of captures my attention again of like, okay, let me just use this as an outline. And there's lots of different ways to pray, and everybody's got their own. This is just kind of one that I use as kind of my, my kind of spin-me-back-up card. <laughs> this is what I, this is what I, hallowed be your name, majestic in all the earth and above the heavens. This is who I am about to talk to. We just, hear me right here. You guys know me well enough. We, we're just casual. We're a little too casual, right? Maybe. I feel it. I'm not saying what you're wearing. <laughs> but like our attitudes towards God can be too casual. This is God. This is the God that created all that exists. And I, I confess that my prayers at times are way too casual towards God. Well, hey, God, yeah, well, you know what I was thinking. You know what I want. He's God. He is the only God. And yet we get wrapped up because we see each other. We see all each other's faces. We're like, oh yeah, how would I talk to them or whatever? But he is not like us. In fact, holy means set apart. He is distinct. He is totally separate from us. Do you know anybody else that's outside of space and time? You see, if all matter is created by him and he does not change because time was created by him, he is wholly different than he is our Lord. That's possessive. There's a relationship. This God chose to have a relationship with us. So much so that he came, he incarnated in Jesus Christ and revealed himself to us and teaches us how to talk to the Father. He goes, listen, he, he wants to know you. He wants, he wants you to know him. He wants some communication and he does. And I don't, the last thing I would want is to discourage any of you forever talking to God in any manner whatsoever. Okay? And let me be clear about this. And yet that encouragement can also slide to the side of being too casual. But you can also be too formal. I don't know. Maybe at a time in your life, depending upon where you're at, maybe you need to be more formal. Maybe you need to be more casual. I think there's a time and a season for both. But this is our God, and he is majestic. And there's, there's three ways as we go through Psalm 8, we're going to see that God is majestic. And the first one, we, we actually saying, I didn't even realize it was in the lyrics, but he's majestic in his ways. In his ways, how he does things, how he operates, not just in how he created not just in how he runs the universe, but in the way that he operates. Look at what it says in Psalm 8, 2. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Never have I seen a movie with an army of babies. What do we have? What, what defines strength in our society? 
muzzles, right? Like that's strength. And so the more muscle you have, the more strength that represent you, right? If you're a king, the, more you're, the bigger your army, the better your planes and ships, the stronger you are. It's about, it's just pure might. It's not how our God works. He's majestic in his ways. Babies and infants, still his enemies. Still, like stops his enemies. That's what that means. Like these little babies, and the infant word, by the way, means nursing infants. Like it's not just, it's like they're nursing. They're not talking. They're, they're just these fragile is there anything weaker than a baby? Here's this highly dependent human being. And God goes, I'm going to use them to still, still my enemies. And this is normal. Like, this is just, this is how David is reflecting on this, right? But we know that this is true, right? If you turn over to. Um, Oh, I got ahead of myself. Anyway, go over to Matthew chapter 21. When Jesus goes in to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, this is where we're at. Listen to what happens here. Verse 14. It says, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, save us, save us. They were indignant. So here's the scribes and the Pharisees watching these amazing, incredible things that, that Jesus is doing. The children are screaming, Hosanna, save us, praising Jesus. The scribes and Pharisees are indignant, and they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? Do you hear what the kids are saying? Tell them to stop. That's what they're saying. They're saying, tell them to stop, Jesus. They should not be praising you like this. And it's funny, right? Because a lot of people were singing Hosanna as he walked in, and as he rode in on a donkey into Jerusalem. But for whatever reason, the Pharisees and the scribes point to these kids, and they're like, no. Stop them. And Jesus said to them, yes. Do you hear what they're saying, Jesus? Yep. Yeah, I do. I absolutely hear what they're saying. They're saying what they should be saying. He says, have you never read, and he quotes the psalm that we're going through, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. Now there's a variation there. Establish strength. And prepared praise. You guys see the difference? What we just read in Psalm 8-2? That's the Hebrew. Established strength. Jesus is quoting the Greek. The Greek translation that came in about uh, I don't know, 400 BC? I don't know. Sorry, I should have looked that up. But it was before Jesus, had, Jesus came, there was a Greek version of the Old Testament, and this is what Jesus is quoting. That's what most people were reading at that time. But so what is he saying? God's strength is established on the shoulders and the mouths of babies and infants praising him. This is, this is standard operating mode of God. Weakness. 
Why? Nothing declares strength of God than when he uses the weak. Right? If you're strong, if you're successful, if you've done great things, what happens? We start to convince ourselves that we've done these things. We start to, we start to live autonomous. We go, I got this. I don't need God. This is, this is me. I accomplish these things. But when you're weak and you're frail and you're like, I don't know how I did that. God did that. That's how he operates. In fact, he, Paul even talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. He says, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that, if you've got your Bibles open, underline this, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. May God be the glory. That's why he does this. This is why he's majestic in his ways. Like, the way God operates is he takes these things that are powerless, us, sinful, us, weak, rebellious, and he goes, you know what? I'm going to establish my church through them. I'm going to proclaim the gospel through these poor, pathetic people. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit, and he gives us his power. He gives us scripture. He reminds us of the truths, and he says, now go, proclaim me. Like, why would you do that, God? Why wouldn't you just, like, make everybody, like, the super smartest, strongest most powerful, amazing people, and then send off your armies. Because his ways are not our ways. And his ways are majestic. So that's the first thing that we read in this. Look at verse uh, three. Majesty in his creation. It says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. I might have missed that last verse in the slides. Um, when I look at your heavens, you guys been out in like the desert or somewhere where there's no lights. <laughs> it's totally different, right? I think, I think the other night I counted what I could see. I think I saw like 50 or something in like my little, you know, between my trees and my house. That's, that's all I could see. But if you go somewhere where there's not a lot of ambient light, it's different. It's like, whoa. <laughs> I didn't know all of this was out here. And this is, what he, this is what David's doing. He's like, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingertips, your fingers, all that we see here, I, I did the math. 
um, the earth, it would take, I think, like, if my math is right, at about 350 miles an hour, you fly around the earth, it'd take three days. Like, if you just went right around the equator, by the way. Um, to fly around the sun, guess how many days it is? Throw out, throw out a couple guesses. A hundred. Thousand. Four thousand. All right, well. I, why did I do this? Yeah, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> hey, kids, we got you a surprise. <laughs> is it this? No, no, it's not that. Um, it's 320. 320 days. Straight. It takes you a whole year to fly around the sun. And, and the sun is a medium-sized star. And the stars, 10 to the 24. And God's fingers are the things that placed them. His words created them. You guys, like, to say he's big is a vast understatement. This is our God. And so what David says is, he's done all of this. All of this is his. And he's like, who am I? What is man? These little specks of dust that live for 80 to 90 years and then vanish. That you're mindful of us. Like, what is it? Like, like you care about us. You actually, you know us. This is majestic, is it not? I mean, think about this and just, I mean, it's hard for us to, to make some sort of an analogy to this, but like if you're in a business and you become more and more important in that business, generally speaking, depends on how big the business is, you kind of, you kind of forget about, you know, maybe forget, but there's a far gap between the CEO and the new worker, right? If you work for some franchise or something like that, you, you probably have never even seen the CEO. You don't know who, I mean, you maybe know who they are, but, and like if you saw them, it would be like, oh. And here's God, master of the universe, creator of the universe, eternal, omniscient, omnipotent, immutable, and he's mindful of, you and me, and he cares about us. But it's, but it's more than that he just cares about us. Look at what Psalm 139 says in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. It's not like you just popped up and God's like, okay, I'll be mindful of him now. I'll, I'll, I'll keep track of her. No. Have any of you knitted? <laughs> right, I love you, man. Yeah, but it takes time. Knitting, knitting's even slower than snowing, right? Or, snowing. <laughs> slower than sewing, right? I mean... I've never done it, I'll be clear. My kids started crocheting, I think, right? Is that what you guys are doing, crocheting? Yeah. It's slow. It's deliberate, right? It's, it's, it's very clear as to what's happening. This is what God is doing to us in the womb. This is what Scripture says. And then he goes, 
Let me move this star over here. All right, back to this. He has the skill of a surgeon and this vastness of the creator of the universe. What is man that you are mindful of? This is praise. This is where we look at God and we got we to gotta get our minds right. We got to remember who this God is that we're praying to, who this God is that we're coming in here to worship. We're not just coming in here to just like, it's like a cool club to hang out with. There's probably way cooler people to hang out with than us. Sorry, I said us. It's worship. It's worship of this God. And it's, and it's all throughout his creation, right? The, one of the slides we had up there was like a, kind of a know, sunset, sunrise, or whatever. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 20. This is super cool because in creation, God declares his majesty. Look what it says in uh, verse 20. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. The sunrise, the sunset, the stars, the animals, you name it. It's amazing. In fact, I got a little bit of time. I, I don't remember what it's called, so I didn't even plan to say this. But um, there's like this uh, uh, like area of scientific study now that is converting uh, sound into like uh, designs. Is, do you remember what it's called? It's like synthism synth, or something like that? And so this dude puts this, like, sand on a metal plate, and he runs a violin on the edge, and it vibrates into a pattern. Dude, I'm like, this can't be real. I watched it on a reel at first, and then I did some research. I'm not telling you what I saw on TikTok, I promise. This is science. This is discovery, right? When we see these things, we're like, whoa, you're telling me sound can create patterns? You're telling me that sound... Could, could organize, like maybe when God says that he speaks things into existence, there's maybe a little bit of scienti scientific stuff to that? It's not just magic spells? This is beautiful, you guys. And this is what we unveil. This is, and when we see these things in creation, sadly, oftentimes science goes, look what we discovered. We pretty much now, it's like we created it. <laughs> well, it's not really like that. You just discovered what God created. But, you know, potato, potato. But it's beautiful. It's incredible. And his majesty resides in his creation. Okay, and then the last part. His majesty is in delegation. This is the mind-blowing part. Verse 6. You have given him, us, dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. He knows us. <laughs> and then he delegates his creation to you and me. 
why would he do that? I'm like, I think you're more equipped, God. <laughs> I think you would do a better job. We're going to kind of make a mess of this planet and universe. We got all this space trash now. Things aren't going the right direction. And, and to be clear, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, dominion doesn't mean abuse, okay? We don't have carte blanche to do whatever we want with this world. We don't have carte blanche to throw trash out the windows and, uh, you know, all these things, right? Like, we should be caring for it because it's God's creation. He made it, and so we ought to care for it. But that doesn't mean we should worship it. And I'll just leave that there. But he gives us dominion. We get to do what we want, kind of. And yet, God is still sovereign. God's delegated to us, and he goes, here, you guys, you guys, take this. Have dominion over this. And while we're trying to do things and fix things and he goes, don't worry, I got it. I'm still sovereign. You can't do anything that, that isn't a part of my sovereign plan. It'll, it'll work out. But he delegates this to us. This is, this is majestic in a sense that like, we can't really fathom because when you start to have, I mean, you guys have all created something, kids in particular. I'm sure you have created something and you're like, this is mine, I created it. And then maybe a sibling messes it up. Has that ever happened? And you're like, you messed up my creation. You messed it up. I, I made like a coffee table. Uh, out of like all this like old wood stuff. And like the top, I got like cherry wood from a friend. And like, it's nice. And like, man, I, I was sitting there with like the smoothest. I mean, it was like a baby's bottom on the top. And I'm like, all right, girls, listen, don't <laughs> use a coaster. <laughs> I, it was like 24 hours. And I think like the next morning I wake up and there's like a Chick-fil-A cup sitting on the, the, the coffee table. And I move it and I'm like, there's a ring. So that was what, I don't know, six months ago? I don't know how long ago that was. Now we're like, feet up on it, you know, there's board games and puzzles, and, right? I mean, like, it's, we, we care for things. We have a very finite amount of time that we can care for things. And we're caring for it, and we're like, don't scratch the car, don't do anything, and then, like, I'm just, like, bur burling past some bushes and whatever. We're not good at this stuff. And this is what God gives us dominion. But he's sovereign. This is our God. And he made us in his image. You guys, we are the only ones that have dominion. I love the animals, but we're the only ones that have dominion. Why? Because he made us in his image. He made us to be rulers with him. By his grace and love and mercy and whatever his reasons are for it, that's, what he, that's how he designed this. And so here we are looking at the creation and he says, rule it, reign it. In fact, if you go back to the garden before the fall, guess what he told Adam to do? Work. 
the work just changed. They started to be hard work, maybe sweat, maybe thorns, maybe these different things after the fall. But before the fall, we were still working. We still had a purpose. We were still in dominion over the earth. And that's where we will go back to. And this is what God in his majesty is. And so when we go to worship God, this is where we got to start. It's where we have to start. And we go, who is this God that's worthy of our praise? Who is this God that's revealing himself to you? Who is this God that is sovereign over your life? Think about it. Look up. Look around. Change your perspective. Rethink. Don't just get stuck in this little bubble, in this little box, trying to fix your circumstances. There is a sovereign God that is worthy of our praise. And this is why David ends with the exact same thing he said in verse one. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let me pray.